0: Act One of John Gabriel Borkman by Heinrich Ibsen. Translated by William Archer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. John Gabriel Borkman Persons John Gabriel Borkman, formerly Managing Director of a Bank. Read by Bruce Peary. Mrs. Gunhild Borkman, his wife.
1: Read by Ariel Lipshaw.
0: Earhart Borkman, their son, a student.
2: Read by Ernst Batinama.
0: Miss Ella Rentheim, Mrs. Borkman's twin sister.
3: Read by Elizabeth Clert.
0: Mrs. Fanny Wilton.
3: Read by Abayin.
0: Wilhelm Foldal, subordinate clerk in a government office.
2: Read by Alan Mapstone.
0: Frieda Foldal, his daughter.
1: Read by Grace Garrett.
0: Mrs. Borkman's maid
1: read by Amanda friday
0: narrated by robin king the action passes one winter evening at the manor house of the rentheim family in the neighbourhood of christiania john gabriel Borkman, act first mrs Borkman's drawing-room furnished with old-fashioned faded splendour at the back an open sliding door leads into a garden-room with windows and a glass door through it a view over the garden twilight with driving snow. On the right, a door leading from the hall. Further forward, a large old-fashioned iron stove, with the fire lighted. On the left, towards the back, a single smaller door. In front, on the same side, a window, covered with thick curtains. Between the window and the door, a horsehair sofa, with a table in front of it covered with a cloth. On the table, a lighted lamp with a shade. Beside the stove, a high backed armchair. Mrs. Gunhild Borkman sits on the sofa, crocheting. She is an elderly lady of cold, distinguished appearance, with stiff carriage and immobile features. Her abundant hair is very grey, delicate, transparent hands, dressed in a gown of heavy dark silk, which has originally been handsome, but is now somewhat worn and shabby, a woollen shawl over her shoulders she sits for a time erect and immovable at her crochet then the bells of a passing sledge are heard mrs borkman listens her eyes sparkle with gladness and she involuntarily whispers
1: erhart at last
0: she rises and draws the curtain a little aside to look out appears disappointed and sits down to her work again on the sofa presently THE MAID ENTERS FROM THE HALL, WITH A VISITING CARD ON A SMALL TRAY.
3: HAS
1: MR. Earhart COME AFTER ALL? NO, MA'AM, BUT THERE'S A LADY.
0: LAYING ASIDE HER crochet.
1: OH, MRS. WILTON, I SUPPOSE. NO, IT'S A STRANGE LADY. LET ME SEE. ARE YOU SURE THIS IS FOR ME? YES, I UNDERSTOOD IT WAS FOR YOU, MA'AM. DID SHE SAY SHE WANTED TO SEE MRS. BORKMAN? YES, SHE DID. GOOD, THEN SAY I AM AT HOME.
0: The maid opens the door for the strange lady and goes out. Miss Ella Rentheim enters. She resembles her sister, but her face has rather a suffering than a hard expression. It still shows signs of great beauty combined with strong character. She has a great deal of hair which is drawn back from the forehead in natural ripples and is snow white. She is dressed in black velvet with a hat and a fur-lined cloak of the same material. The two sisters stand silent for a time, and look searchingly at each other. Each is evidently waiting for the other to speak first. Ella Rentheim, who has remained near the door.
1: You are surprised to see me, Gunhild.
0: Mrs. Borkman, standing erect and immovable between the sofa and the table, resting her fingertips upon the cloth.
1: Have you not made a mistake? The bailiff lives in the side wing, you know. It is not the bailiff I want to see today. Is it me you want, then? Yes. I have a few words to say to you.
0: Coming forward into the middle of the room.
1: Well, then sit down. Thank you. I can stand quite well for the present. Just as you please. But at least loosen your cloak.
0: Unbuttoning her cloak.
1: Yes, it is very warm here. I am always cold.
0: Stands looking at her for a time with her arms resting on the back of the armchair
1: well gunhild it is nearly 8 years now since we saw each other last since last we spoke to each other at any rate true since we spoke to each other i dare say you have seen me now and again when i came on my yearly visit to the bailiff once or twice i have i have caught one or two glimpses of you too there at the window you must have seen me through the curtains, then. You have good eyes. But the last time we spoke to each other, it was here in this room.
0: TRYING TO STOP HER.
1: Yes, yes, I know, Gunhild. THE WEEK BEFORE HE, BEFORE HE WAS LET OUT.
0: MOVING TOWARDS THE BACK.
1: Oh, don't speak about that. IT WAS THE WEEK BEFORE HE WAS SET AT LIBERTY.
0: COMING DOWN.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I shall never forget that time, but it is too terrible to think of, only to recall it for the moment. Oh. And yet one's thoughts can never get away from it,
0: clenching her hands together.
1: No, I can't understand how such a thing, how anything so horrible can come upon one single family, and then that it should be our family, so old a family as ours. Think of its choosing us out. Oh, Gunhild, there were many, many families besides ours that that blow fell upon. Oh, yes, but those others don't trouble me very much, for in their case it was only a matter of a little money or some papers. But for us, for me, and then for Erhard, my little boy, as he then was, the shame that fell upon us two innocent ones, the dishonor, the hateful, terrible dishonor and then the utter ruin too tell me grunhild how does he bear it "'Erhart, do you mean no he himself how does he bear it do you think i ever ask about that ask surely you do not require to ask
0: looks at her in surprise
1: you don't suppose i ever have anything to do with him that i ever meet him that i see anything of him not even that the man was in jail in jail for five years
0: covers her face with her hands
1: oh the crushing shame of it and then to think of all that the name of john gabriel borkman used to mean no 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 i can never see him again never
0: looks at her for a while
1: you have a hard heart Gunhild. towards him yes after all he is your husband did he not say in court that it was I who began his ruin, that I spent money so recklessly. But is there not some truth in that? Why, it was he himself that made me do it. He insisted on our living in such an absurdly lavish style. Yes, I know, but that is just where you should have restrained him, and apparently you didn't. How was I to know that it was not his own money he gave me to squander? and that he himself used to squander, too, ten times more than I did. Well, I dare say his position forced him to do that. To some extent, at any rate. Yes, it was always the same story. We were to cut a figure. And he did cut a figure to some purpose. He used to drive about with a four in hand as if he were a king. And he had people bowing and scraping to him just as to a king. <laughs> and they always called him by his christian names all the country over as if he had been the king himself john gabriel john gabriel john gabriel everyone knew what a great man john gabriel was he was a great man then yes to all appearance but he never breathed a single word to me as to his real position never gave a hint as to where he got his means from No. No, and other people did not dream of it either. I don't care about the other people. But it was his duty to tell me the truth. And that he never did. He kept on lying to me—lying abominably. Surely not, Grunhjold. He kept things back, perhaps, but I am sure he did not lie. Well, well, call it what you please. It makes no difference. And then it all fell to pieces—the whole thing. Yes everything fell to pieces for him and for others
0: drawing herself up menacingly
1: but i tell you this ella i do not give in yet i shall redeem myself yet you may make up your mind to that redeem yourself what do you mean by that redeem my name and honor and fortune redeem my ruined life that is what i mean i have someone in reserve let me tell you one who will wash away every stain that he has left gunhild gunhild there is an avenger living i tell you one who will make up to me for all his father's sins erhart you mean yes erhart my own boy he will redeem the family the house the name all that can be redeemed and perhaps more besides and how do you think that is to be done it must be done as best it can i don't know how but i know that it must and shall be done
0: looks searchingly at her
1: come now ella isn't that really what you have had in mind too ever since he was a child no i can't exactly say that no then why did you take charge of him when the storm broke upon upon this house you could not look after him yourself at that time gunhild no no i could not and his father. He had a valid enough excuse. While he was there, in safe keeping— Oh, how can you say such things? You— And how could you make up your mind to take charge of the child of a—a a John Gabriel, just as if he had been your own—to take the child away from me, home, with you, and keep him there year after year until the boy was nearly grown up? What was your real reason, Ella? Why did you keep him with you? I came to love him so dearly, more than I, his mother. I don't know about that, and then you know Earhart was rather delicate as a child. Earhart, delicate, yes, I thought so at that time, at any rate. and you know the air of the West coast is so much milder than here,
0: smiling bitterly,
1: hm, is it indeed? Yes, it is true you have done a great deal for Earhart, well, of course, you could afford it. You were so lucky, Ella. You managed to save all your money. I did not manage anything about it. I assure you, I had no idea until long, long afterwards that the securities belonging to me that they had been left untouched. Well, well, I don't understand anything about these things. I only say you were lucky. But when you, of your own accord, undertook to educate Earhart for me, what was your motive in that? My motive? Yes, some motive you must have had. What did you want to do with him? To make of him, I mean. I wanted to smooth the way for Earhart to happiness in life. Pooh! People situated as we are have something else than happiness to think of. What then?
0: Looking steadily and earnestly at her,
1: airhart has in the first place to make so brilliant a position for himself that no trace shall be left of the shadow his father has cast upon my name and my sons tell me gunnhild is this what Erhard himself demands of his life yes i should hope so is it not rather what you demand of him Erhard and i always make the same demands upon ourselves you are so very certain of your boy then gunnhild Yes, that I am, thank heaven. You may be sure of that. Then I should think in reality you must be happy after all, in spite of the rest. So I am, so far as that goes. But then, every moment, all the rest comes rushing in upon me like a storm. Tell me. You may as well tell me at once, for that is really what I have come for. What? Something I felt I must talk to you about— Tell me, Erhart does not live out here with the—with you others. Erhart cannot live out here with me. He has to live in town. So he wrote to me. He must, for the sake of his studies. But he comes out to me for a little while every evening. Well, may I see him, then? May I speak to him at once? He has not come yet. But I expect him every moment. Why, Gunnhild, surely he must have come. I can hear his footsteps overhead
0: with a rapid upward glance
1: up in the long gallery yes i have heard him walking up and down there ever since i came
0: looking away from her
1: that is not erhart ella not erhart who is it then it is he borkman john gabriel borkman he walks up and down like that backwards and forwards from morning to night day out and day in i have heard something of this I dare say. People find plenty to say about us, no doubt. Erhart has spoken of it in his letters. He said that his father generally remained by himself, up there, and you alone down here. Yes, that is how it has been, Ella, ever since they let him out and sent him home to me. All these long eight years. I never believed it could really be so. It seemed impossible. Nods. It is so? And it can never be otherwise.
0: Looking at her.
1: This must be a terrible life, Gunhild. Worse than terrible. Almost unendurable. Yes, it must be. Always to hear his footsteps up there, from early morning till far into the night. And everything sounds so clear in this house. Yes. It is strange how clear the sound is i often feel as if i had a sick wolf pacing its cage up there in the gallery right over my head hark do you hear backwards and forwards up and down goes the wolf is no change possible gunhild
0: with a gesture of repulsion
1: he has never made any movement towards a change could you not make the first movement then i after all the wrong he has done me no thank you rather let the wolf go on prowling up there. Oh, this room is too hot for me. You must let me take off my things after all. Yes, I asked you to.
0: Ella Rentheim takes off her hat and cloak and lays them on a chair beside the door leading to the hall.
1: Do you never happen to meet him away from home? In society, do you mean? I mean when he goes out walking. In the woods, or... He never goes out. Not even in the twilight? Never. He cannot bring himself to go out. I suppose not. He has his great cloak and his hat hanging in the cupboard. The cupboard in the hall, you know. To herself. The cupboard we used to hide in when we were little. Nods. And now and then, late in the evening, I can hear him come down as though to go out. But he always stops when he is halfway downstairs and turns back, straight back to the gallery. Do none of his old friends ever come up to see him? he has no old friends he had so many once hm. he took the best possible way to get rid of them he was a dear friend to his friends was john gabriel oh yes that is true Gunhild. all the same i call it mean petty base contemptible of them to think so much of the paltry losses they may have suffered through him they were only money losses nothing more
0: not answering her
1: so he lives up there quite alone absolutely by himself yes practically so they tell me an old clerk or copyist or something comes out to see him now and then ah indeed no doubt it is a man called foldal i know they were friends as young men yes i believe they were but i know nothing about him he was quite outside our circle when we had a circle so he comes out to see Borkman now? Yes, he condescends to. But of course he only comes when it is dark. This faldal He was one of those that suffered when the bank failed. Yes, I believe I heard he had lost some money. But no doubt it was something quite trifling. It was all he possessed. Oh, well. What he possessed must have been little enough, nothing to speak of. And he did not speak of it. Foldal, I mean, during the investigation, at all events, I can assure you, Earhart has made ample amends for any little loss he may have suffered. Earhart, how can Earhart have done that? He has taken an interest in Foldal's youngest daughter. He has taught her things and put her in the way of getting employment, and some day providing for herself. I am sure that is a great deal more than her father could ever have done for her. Yes, I dare say her father can't afford to do much. And then Earhart has arranged for her to have lessons in music. She has made such progress already that she can come up to—to to him in the gallery and play to him. So he is still fond of music? Oh, yes, I suppose he is. Of course, he has the piano you sent out here, when he was expected back. And she plays to him on it? Yes, now and then. In the evenings. That is Earhart's doing, too. has the poor girl to come all the long way out here and then back to town again? No, she doesn't need to. Earhart has arranged for her to stay with a lady who lives near us- a Mrs. Wilton, Mrs. Wilton, a very rich woman. You don't know her. I have heard her name, Mrs. Fanny Wilton. is it not? Yes, quite right. Earhart has mentioned her several times does she live out here now yes she has taken a villa here she moved out from town some time ago they say she is divorced from her husband her husband has been dead for several years yes but they were divorced he got a divorce he deserted her that is what he did i am sure the fault wasn't hers do you know her at all intimately Gunhild? oh yes pretty well she lives close by here, and she looks in every now and then. And you like her? She is unusually intelligent, remarkably clear in her judgments. In her judgments of people, do you mean? Yes, principally of people. She has made quite a study of Earhart, looked deep into his character, into his soul. And the result is she idolizes him, as she could not help doing. Then perhaps she knows Earhart still better than she knows you. Yes, Earhart saw a good deal of her in town, before she came out here. And in spite of that she moved out of town.
0: Looking keenly at her.
1: In spite of that? What do you mean? Oh, nothing particular. You said it strangely. You did mean something by it, Ella.
0: Looking her straight in the eyes.
1: Yes, that is true, Gunhild. I did mean something by it. Well then, say it right out. First... Let me tell you I think I too have a certain claim upon Erhard. Do you think I haven't?
0: Glancing round the room.
1: No doubt. After all the money you have spent upon him. Oh not on that account, Gunhild. But because I love him. Love my son. Is it possible? You, in spite of everything. Yes, it is possible, in spite of everything. And it is true. I love Erhard as much as i can love any one now at my time of life well well suppose you do what then why then i am troubled as soon as i see anything threatening him threatening Erhart. why what should threaten him or who you in the first place in your way i and then this mrs wilton too i am afraid
0: looks at her for a moment in speechless surprise
1: and you think such things of Erhart? of my own boy—he who has his great mission to fulfill." Oh, his mission! How dare you say that so scornfully? Do you think a young man of Erhard's age—full of health and spirits—do you think he is going to sacrifice himself for—for for such a thing as a mission? Erhard will. I know he will. You neither know it nor believe it, Gunhild. I don't believe it. It is only a dream that you cherish. For, if you hadn't that to cling to, you feel that you would utterly despair, yes, indeed, I should despair, and I dare say that is what you would like to see, Ella with head erect. yes, I would rather see that than see you redeem yourself at Earhart's expense. You want to come between us between mother and son, you I want to free him from your power, your will, your despotism. You are too late. "'You had him in your nets all these years, until he was fifteen. "'But now I have won him again, you see.' "'Then I will win him back from you. "'We too have fought a life-and-death battle before Gunnhild, for a man's soul.'
0: "'Looking at her in triumph?'
1: "'Yes, and I won the victory.'
0: "'With a smile of scorn.'
1: "'Do you still think that victory was worth the winning?' "'No. Heaven knows you are right there.' you need look for no victory worth the winning this time either not when i am fighting to preserve a mother's power over my son no for it is only power over him that you want and you i want his affection his soul his whole heart that you shall never have in this world
0: looking at her
1: you have seen to that smiling yes i have taken that liberty could you not see that in his letters slowly, yes, I could see you-the whole of you in his letters of late. I have made the best use of these eight years. I have had him under my own eye. You see what have you said to Earhart about me? Is it the sort of thing you can tell me? Oh, yes, I can tell you well enough. then, please do. I have only told him the truth. Well, I have impressed upon him every day of his life that he must never forget that it is you we have to thank for being able to live as we do—for being able to live at all." "'Is that all?' "'Oh, that is the sort of thing that rankles. I feel that in my own heart." "'But that is very much what Earhart knew already.' "'When he came home to me, he imagined that you did it all out of goodness of heart. Now he does not believe that any longer, Ella." "'Then what does he believe now?' He believes what is the truth. I asked him how he accounted for the fact that Aunt Ella never came here to visit us. He knew my reasons already. He knows them better now. You had got him to believe that it was to spare me and—and and him up there in the gallery. And so it was. Earhart does not believe that for a moment now. What have you put in his head? He thinks what is the truth, that you are ashamed of us, that you despise us— and do you pretend that you don't? Were you not once planning to take him quite away from me? Think, Ella, you cannot have forgotten."
0: With a gesture of negation.
1: That was at the height of the scandal, when the case was before the courts. I have no such designs now. And it would not matter if you had. For in that case what would become of his mission? No, thank you, it is me that Earhart needs, not you. And therefore he is as good as dead to you, and you to him we shall see for now i shall remain out here here in this house yes here here with us remain all night i shall remain here all the rest of my days if need be very well ella the house is yours oh nonsense everything is yours the chair i am sitting in is yours the bed i lie and toss in at night belongs to you THE FOOD WE EAT COMES TO US FROM YOU. IT CAN'T BE ARRANGED OTHERWISE, YOU KNOW. BORKMAN CAN HOLD NO PROPERTY OF HIS OWN, FOR someone WOULD AT ONCE COME AND TAKE IT FROM HIM. Yes, I know. We must be content to live upon your pity and charity. I cannot prevent you from looking at it in that light, Gunhild. No, you cannot. When do you want us to move out? Move out? Yes, you don't imagine that I will go on living under the same roof with you. I tell you I would rather go to the workhouse or tramp the roads. Good. Then let me take Erhard with me. Erhard? My own son, my child? Yes. For then I would go straight home again. Erhard himself shall choose between us. He choose? Dare you risk that, Gunhild? <laughs> Dare I? let my boy choose between his mother and you yes indeed i dare is there someone coming i thought i heard then it must be Earhart.
0: there is a sharp knock at the door leading in from the hall which is immediately opened mrs wilton enters in evening dress and without her wraps she is followed by the maid who has not had time to announce her and looks bewildered the door remains half open mrs wilton is a strikingly handsome well-developed woman in the thirties broad red smiling lips luxuriant dark hair
3: good evening my dearest mrs borkman
1: good evening mrs wilton take the lamp that is in there and light it
0: observing ella rentheim
1: oh i beg your pardon you have a visitor only my sister who has just arrived from
0: erhart borkman flings the half-open door wide open, and rushes in. He is a young man with bright cheerful eyes, he is well dressed, his moustache is beginning to grow.
2: What is this? Is Aunt Ella here?
0: Rushing up to her, and seizing her hands.
2: Aunt! Aunt! Is it possible? Are you here?
0: Ella Rentheim throws her arms around his neck.
1: Erhard! My dear, dear boy! Why how big you have grown! oh how good it is to see you again what does this mean erhart were you hiding out in the hallway erhart mr borkman came in with me indeed erhart you don't come to your mother first
2: i just look in at mrs wilton's for a moment to call for little frida
3: is that miss foldal with you too yes we have left her in the hall
0: addressing someone through the open door
2: you can go right upstairs frida
0: Ellerentheim observes Earhart. He seems embarrassed and a little impatient. His face has assumed a nervous and colder expression. The maid brings the lighted lamp into the garden room, goes out again, and closes the door behind her.
1: Well, Mrs. Wilton, if you will give us the pleasure of your company this evening, won't you?
3: Many thanks, my dear lady, but I really can't. We have another invitation. We're going down to the Hinkles. We. Oui. Whom do you mean by "we, oh, I ought really to have said "I, but I was commissioned by the ladies of the house to bring Mr. Borkman with me if I happened to see him,
1: and you did
3: happen to see him. It appears yes, fortunately, he was good enough to look in at my house to call for Frida but Earhart,
1: I did not know that you knew that family, those Hinkles
2: no, I don't exactly know them. You know better than anybody, mother, what people I know and don't know.
3: Oh, it doesn't matter. They soon put you at your ease in that house. They are such cheerful, hospitable people. The house swarms with young ladies.
1: If I know my son rightly, Mrs. Wilton, they are no fit company for him.
3: Why, good gracious, dear lady, he is young too, you know.
1: Yes. Fortunately, he's young. He would need to be young.
2: Well, 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 mother, it's quite clear I can go to the Hinkle's this evening. Of course I shall remain here with you and Aunt Ella.
1: I knew you would, my dear Earhart. No, Earhart, you must not stop at home on my account.
2: Yes, indeed, my dear aunt. I can't think of going. But how shall we manage? Can I get out of it? You have said yes for me, haven't you?
3: What nonsense! Not get out of it. When I make my entrance into the festive halls just imagine it deserted and forlorn then i must simply say no for you
2: well if you really think i can get out of it
3: i am quite used to saying both yes and no on my own account and you can't possibly think of leaving your aunt the moment she has arrived for shame monsieur erhart would that be behaving like a good son son well adopted son then mrs barkman yes you may well add that oh it seems to me we have often more cause to be grateful to a foster-mother than to our own mother
1: has that been your experience
3: i know very little of my own mother i am sorry to say but if i had had a good foster-mother perhaps i shouldn't have been so-so naughty as people say i am
0: turning towards Earhart.
3: Well, then we stop peaceably at home like a good boy and drink tea with mamma and auntie. Goodbye, goodbye, Mrs. Borkman. Goodbye, Miss Rentheim.
0: The ladies bow silently. She goes towards the door. Following her,
2: shan't I go a little bit of the way with you?
0: In the doorway, motioning him back.
3: You shan't go a step with me. I am quite accustomed to taking my walks alone.
0: Stops on the threshold looks at him, and nods.
3: But now beware, Mr. Bockman, I warn you.
2: What am I to beware of?
3: Why, as I go down the road, deserted and forlorn, as I said before, I shall try if I can't cast a spell upon you.
2: <laughs> oh, indeed, are you going to try that again?
3: Yes, just you beware. As I go down the road, I will say in my own mind, Right from the very center of my will, I will say, Mr. Erhard Borkman, take your hat at once. And you think he will take it? <laughs> good heavens, yes. He'll snatch up his hat instantly. And then I will say, now put on your overcoat like a good boy, Erhard Borkman. And your galoshes. Be sure you don't forget the galoshes and then follow me do as i bid you as i bid you as i bid you
2: oh you may rely on that
0: raising her forefinger
3: as i bid you as i bid you good night
0: she laughs and nods to the ladies and closes the door behind her
3: does she really play tricks of that sort
2: oh not at all how can you think so she only says it in fun "'But don't let us talk about Mrs. Wilton.'
0: He forces Ella Rentheim to seat herself at the armchair beside the stove, then stands and looks at her.
2: "'To think of your having taken all this long journey, Aunt Ella, and in winter, too.'
1: "'I found I had to, Erhart.
2: "'Indeed? Why so?'
1: "'I had to come to town, after all, to consult the doctors.'
2: "'Oh, I'm glad of that.'
1: "'Are you glad of that?'
2: "'I mean, I am glad you made up your mind to it at last.'
1: Are you ill ella you know quite well that i am ill i knew you were not strong and hadn't been for years
2: i told you before i left you that you ought to consult a doctor
1: there is no one in my neighbourhood that i have any real confidence in and besides i did not feel it so much at that time
2: are you worse then aunt
1: yes my dear boy i am worse now
2: but there's nothing dangerous
1: oh that depends how you look at it
2: well then I tell you what it is, Auntella. You mustn't think of going home again for the present.
1: No, I am not thinking of it.
2: You must remain in town, for here you can have your choice of all the best doctors.
1: That was what I thought when I left home.
2: And then you must be sure and find a really nice place to live. Quiet, comfortable rooms.
1: I went this morning to the old ones where I used to stay before.
2: Oh, well, you were comfortable enough there.
1: Yes, but I shall not be staying there after all.
2: Indeed? Why not?
1: I changed my mind after coming out here.
2: Really? Changed your mind?
1: Your aunt will live here in her own house, Erhart.
0: Looking from one to the other alternately.
2: Here? With us? Is this true, aunt?
1: Yes. That is what I made up my mind to do. Everything here belongs to your aunt, you know. I intend to remain here, Erhart, Just now for the present. I shall set up a little establishment of my own, over in the bailiff's wing.
2: Ah, that's a good idea. There are plenty of rooms there. But, by the by, aunt, aren't you very tired after your journey?
1: Oh, yes, rather tired.
2: Well, then, I think you ought to go quite early to bed. I mean to. And then we could have a good long talk tomorrow, or some other day, of course, about this and that, about things in general. You and Mother and I? Wouldn't that be much the best plan, Aunt Ella?
1: Erhart, I can see you are going to leave me.
2: What do you mean by that?
1: You are going down to to the Hinkles.
2: Oh, that. Well, you wouldn't have me sit here and keep Aunt Ella up half the night. Remember, she's an invalid, Mother.
1: You are going to the Hinkles, Erhart.
2: Well, really, Mother, I don't think I can well get out of it. What do you say, Aunt?
1: "'I should like you to feel quite free, Erhard.'
0: Mrs. Borkman goes up to her menacingly.
1: "'You want to take him away from me?' "'Yes, if only I could, Gunnhild.'
0: Writhing as if in pain, "'Oh,
2: I can't endure this.' Looking round, "'What have I done with my hat?' To Ella Rentheim, "'Do you know the air that she's playing up there?'
1: "'No. What is it?'
2: "'It's the dance macabre, the dance of death. Don't you know the dance of death, Aunt?'
0: smiling sadly
1: not yet erhard
2: mother i beg and implore you let me go
0: looks hardly at him
1: away from your mother so that is what you want to do
2: of course i'll come out again tomorrow perhaps
1: you want to go away from me to be with those strange people with with no i will not even think of it
2: there are bright lights down there and young happy faces and there's music there mother
0: Pointing upwards,
1: there is music here too, Earhart.
2: Yes, it's just that music that drives me out of the house.
1: Do you grudge your father a moment of self-forgetfulness?
2: No, I don't. I'm very, very glad that you should have it. If only I don't have to listen,
0: looking solemnly at him,
1: be strong, Earhart, be strong, my son. Do not forget that you have your great mission.
2: Oh Mother, do spare me these phrases i wasn't born to be a missionary good night aunt dear good night mother
0: he goes hastily out through the door
1: it has not taken you long to recapture him ella after all i wish i could believe it but you shall see you won't be allowed to keep him long allowed by you do you mean by me or by her the other one then rather she than you that i understand i say the same "'Rather she than you.' "'Whatever should become of him in the end?' "'It wouldn't greatly matter, I should say.'
0: Ella Entheim taking her outdoor things upon her arm.
1: "'For the first time in our lives, we twin sisters are of one mind. "'Good night, Gunhild.
0: She goes out by the hall. The music sounds louder from above. "'Stands still for a moment, starts, shrinks together, and whispers involuntarily.'
1: The wolf is whining again, the sick wolf.
0: She stands still for a moment, then flings herself down on the floor, writhing in agony and whispering.
1: "Erhart, Erhart, be true to me. Oh, come home and help your mother, for I can bear this life no longer.
0: End of Act One